0: it difficult to listen to the radio at the same time every day? If you're like me, the answer is yes. That's why podcasting is so convenient. And if you have a smartphone or a computer and an internet connection, you have everything you need to get started. Just visit insightforliving.ca podcast and follow the simple instructions. At Insight for Living Canada, we have three podcasts available for you to stream or download when you want. Where you want at your convenience. There's our 30 minute daily Insight for Living, our five minute life track, and our one minute audio devotional Insights. Whether you're at work, at home, driving in the car, or in another country, podcasts are a simple and easy way to stay connected with solid Bible teaching. Are you already a podcaster? Just search for Insight for Living Canada in iTunes. On Stitcher Radio for podcasts or in Google Podcast. Listen when you want, how you want, at your convenience. Visit insightforliving.ca podcast today. That's insightforliving.ca.
1: Today from Chuck Swindoll.
2: Grace isn't picky. Grace doesn't look for things that have been done that deserve love. Grace operates apart from the response or the ability of the individual. Grace is one-sided. It is God's giving himself in full acceptance to someone who does not deserve it and can never earn it and will never be able to repay
1: In today's world, we place our celebrities on pedestals. We esteem their talent, and we aspire to be like them. Today on Insight for Living, our focus is not on celebrities, but on the forgotten, the marginalized people who long to belong. Our study is founded on a touching story that's told in 2 Samuel chapter 9. David, the king of Israel, had achieved remarkable success. He was a mighty warrior and a celebrated ruler, But today, our accolades turn from David's achievement to his kindness. Chuck Swindoll titled his message, Grace in a Barren Place.
2: Well, we've come today to one of the greatest chapters on the grace of God in all the Old Testament. Uh, perhaps in all the Bible. I'm referring to Second Samuel chapter 9. This chapter revolves around the story of a man whose name looks a little like a misprint, Mephibosheth. That's it, Mephibosheth, and the grace he received from King David. Uh, now for this story, let's open our Bibles together to 2 Samuel chapter 9, and we'll begin our reading with verse 1. 2 Samuel 9 1. Then David said, Is there yet any one left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. And they called him to David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. The king said, Is there not yet any one of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, "There is still a son of Jonathan, who is crippled in both feet." So the king said to him, "Where is he?" And Ziba said to the king, "Behold, he is in the house of Maker, the son of Amiel in Lodibar. Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Maker, the son of Amiel from Lodebar, Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul came to David, and fell on his face, and prostrated himself. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he said, Here is your servant. David said to him, Do not fear, for I will surely show kindness to you for the sake of your father Jonathan, and will restore to you all the land of your grandfather Saul. And you shall eat at my table regularly." Again he prostrated himself and said, What is your servant, that you should regard a dead dog like me? Then the king called Saul's servant Ziba and said to him, All that belong to Saul and to all his house I have given to your master's grandson. You and your sons and your servants shall cultivate the land for him. And you shall bring him the produce, so that your master's grandson may have food. Nevertheless, Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall eat at my table regularly. Now Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Then Ziba said to the king, According to all that my lord the king commands his servant, so your servant will do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table as one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Mica, And all who lived in the house of Ziba were servants to Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate at the king's table regularly. Now he was lame in both feet.
1: You're listening to Insight for Living, To dig deeper into the Bible with Chuck Swindoll, be sure to download his Searching the Scriptures studies by going to insightforliving.ca slash studies. And now the message titled, Grace in a Barren Place.
2: Some time ago, a gentleman who occasionally attends church was talking with Dr. Lofton Hudson. Dr. Hudson is the director and founder of the, the Midwest Christian Counseling Center. And the man was expressing concern over the religious jargon, a lot of the words that are tossed around from church to church that he just simply didn't understand. Dr. Hudson decided he would put the man to the test, and so he threw out a word that is familiar to all of us, but frankly was not too familiar, uh, with with which the man was not too familiar. And he said, what do you think of, for example, when I use the word grace? Grace. And the man thought for a moment, smiled facetiously, and said, Well, to me, grace is a blue-eyed blonde. And Dr. Hudson thought for a moment and pondered it, and he said, Hey, that's a good title for a book. And he wrote his 11th book, entitling it, Grace is Not a Blue-Eyed Blonde. And in the middle of the book, he describes what to him grace really is. It would seem then that grace is what happens between two persons... It is one giving himself to the other. It is responsibility to another. It is a distinctive kind of relating. In a world of men turning their backs on one another, exploiting one another, killing one another, gossiping about one another, trying to possess one another, and controlling one another, grace is one person accepting and confronting another in freedom and responsibility. I've thought about that man's comment, and even though I'm sure he was joking, there is a reason to believe that the word grace could be misunderstood. We use it in six or seven different ways. We refer, for example, to a ballet dancer having grace, and it means simply that the person is coordinated and has a smooth movement in the dance. We speak of saying grace at the meals, and we mean prayer by that. We talk about how the Queen of England brings grace to the meeting that she attends, or how the woman is a woman of grace, meaning dignified and elegant. We use grace with reference to a number of different things, and we seldom use it biblically. So no wonder people are misunderstood, uh, misunderstand the concept of grace. And every once in a while, we come across a moment in scripture where grace just sort of opens up in a beautiful illustration that you can never forget. And that's where we've come in our study of the life of David. It is, in my uh, personal opinion, the greatest illustration of grace in all the Old Testament. And it has to do with a man who is so obscure we can hardly pronounce his name. 2 Samuel chapter 9 is the story, and it describes grace for us in the life of Mephibosheth. I had to lick my lips to start that word, to say it just right. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. 2 Samuel chapter 9. Last time we were with David, he was in an interlude of peace and quietness. He was thinking about his past and all the blessings that had been his. And he came upon this expressed moment in which he thought about his recent days and then beyond those recent days, his distant past. And I'm sure, as we begin 2 Samuel 9, that David had thought specifically about his love for Jonathan, his friend, whom he had lost in the war, and the the predecessor, the king whose place he took, Saul. And reflecting upon those two men and the impact they had had in his life, David began to think about a promise he had made. He pondered it, and then he addressed it. Verse 1, Is there yet anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him... Now, here's our special word tonight, kindness. Is there anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? It's a rather unfortunate translation because kindness smacks of a soft tenderness and it's deeper than that. It's the word that could be and should be rendered either mercy or grace. Let me give you a workable definition and then we'll go from there. Grace is positive acceptance in spite of the other person. It is a demonstration of love that is not deserved and can never be repaid. Grace is a demonstration of love that isn't deserved and can never be repaid. Now you've got a better grasp of verse 1. David looks around and thinks... Is there anybody in this entire area to whom I might show forth that kind of positive acceptance? Why did he want to do that? Well, he had made a promise. In fact, he had made two promises. Hold your place and go back to 1 Samuel chapter 20. Here is this great king on the throne thinking about someone out there in the barren wilderness of Palestine who ought to be the object of His grace because of a promise He made. First Samuel 20, verse 13. These are the words of Jonathan, according to verse 12. 13 says, If it please my father to do you harm, may the Lord do so to Jonathan and more also. If I do not make it known to you and send you away, that you may go in safety. And may the Lord be with you as He has been with my father. If I'm still alive, will you not show me the... There's our word again. Will you not show me the grace, the mercy of the Lord, that I may not die? Let me explain that. In Eastern dynasties, it was the custom that when a new king took over, all of the other dynasties were... All of the other families and family members of the previous dynasty were exterminated to take away the possibility of revolt. And Jonathan said, David, when you get to the throne, as surely you will, will you show my family grace? Will you preserve our lives? Will you take care of us and protect us that we may not die? Verse 15, you shall not cut off your loving kindness. There's the word again, from my house forever. Not even when the Lord cuts off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David saying, may the Lord require it at the hands of David's enemy. And Jonathan made David vow, promise. He gave his word again because of his love for him, because he loved him as he loved his own life. One more passage, 20, 24, verse 20. First Samuel 24, 20. David promised Jonathan, I will... I will forever, for the rest of my life, demonstrate grace to your family. And now Saul, behold, I know that you shall surely be king, that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. So now swear to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants after me and that you will not destroy my name from my father's household. And David swore to Saul." David made the promise to Jonathan. David made the promise to Saul. And here we find him in 2 Samuel chapter 9 thinking about the promise. And so he asked the question among the people in his court, among his counselors, is there anyone left to whom I might demonstrate grace because of Jonathan? Uh, I think it's worth noting, and it's not a moot point, that he asks, is there anyone? He doesn't ask, is there anyone qualified or is there anyone worthy? He says, is there anyone, he asks, regardless of who they are, is there anybody still living who ought to be the recipient of my grace? Unqualified acceptance, unconditional love. Well, they identified someone. Verse two: There was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. Now listen carefully. This is a beautiful account. And they called him to David. And the king said to him, "Are you Ziba?" He says, "I'm your servant." The king said, "Is there not yet anyone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God?" And Ziba said to the king. Ah, there is still a son of Jonathan who is crippled in both feet. Uh, if you read this as, as I read it, you will feel a little bit of a counsel in his words. Uh, David, you really better think twice before you do this, because he's not very kingly. He doesn't fit the throne. He doesn't fit the surroundings, this beautiful new home and and the city of Jerusalem. You know, David, uh, he's a cripple. He walks on crutches. He's not one to carry himself in the regal dignity of the king. He's a cripple. That's part of the reason the story is so moving. Because unless you are crippled, or have been, you, have, you, you really can't grasp the trauma of living your life like that. Here's a man who looks upon the whole kingdom and asks, is there anybody? And there's a counselor that says, yeah, but he's crippled, and you don't want to give yourself to him, David. But David moves right on. He said, where is he? Isn't that beautiful? There's a beautiful response on David's part. He didn't ask how badly, didn't ask uh, how it happened. He just said, Where's the man located? That's the way grace is. Grace isn't picky. Grace doesn't look for, for, for things that have been done that deserve love. Grace operates apart from the response or the ability of the individual. Grace is one sided. It is God's giving himself in full acceptance to someone who does not deserve it and can never earn it and will never be able to repay. And this is the beautiful story of David. David says, where is he? So the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, behold, he is in the house of Maker, the son of Amiel in Lo debar just the last name is of interest to me. The word lo in Hebrew means no. Debar is from the root word meaning pasture, pasture land. He's in a place where there is unimaginable desolation. David, he, uh, he lives out in the, you know, the, the barren fields of Palestine. The custom was that the king would kill one who lived on from a previous dynasty. And so an individual was either exterminated or he hid for his life. And that's what this man had done. He had hidden himself away. And the only one who knew his whereabouts was a servant of Saul named Ziba. He said, I I know where we can find him. He's he's out in that area. The question comes, how is he crippled? Look at verse 4 of chapter 4. You'll see the answer. It's quite a story. Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son crippled in his feet. He was five years old when the report of Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. That is, the death of Saul and Jonathan. And his nurse, that is, the nurse of the son, hurriedly took him up and fled... See, she was running for the life of the son, knowing that he would surely be exterminated. And it happened that in her hurry to flee, he fell and became lame. His name was Mephibosheth. The only verse that explains the condition. She picked up the boy and was running with him to find some area of escape. And in the process, he tumbled and fell out of her arms and perhaps down over a cliff. And when he landed, he became lame in both his feet. I got an amazing letter this past week from one of our missionaries, our, a missionary friend of mine in, down in Venezuela. His name is Larry Schlotfeld. Larry has a little boy, he's two years old, named Lauren. He says this, "'Last week, Venita uh, and I were reminded of God's protection and grace. Our two-year-old Lauren was run over by a car. He had tire marks on both arms and a tire mark down one shoulder blade. Nobody saw it happen.'" After the x-rays, we found no damage of any kind, nothing broken, and no internal injuries. Can you imagine? He was just a little sore. Isn't God so very good? God must have something special in mind for our Lauren. But there was a young man who was not as fortunate as Lauren Schlotfeld, and his name was the son son of Jonathan Mephibosheth. When he fell, he became lame in both his feet. And in spite of his condition, he still feared for his life. And so the nurse took him and hid him away. Now, back to the story. In this freak-like accident, we have a young fellow who's hiding away, fearful of his life. The last thing he ever wanted was to see an emissary from the king rap on his door. But that was the thing that happened. Verse five, verse, uh, yes, Verse 5. The king sent and brought him from the house of Maker, the son of Amiel, from Debar. So they sent an, an entourage from the king, and he went out to that area, this group did, rapped on his door, and he opened the door, and can you imagine his shock? We don't know how old he was, perhaps a young man. He had a family by now. And here was this young man standing there, looking into the faces of the soldiers from the king, saying to them, the king wants to see you. What do you think went over in his mind? This is the end. This is it. Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and prostrated himself. He said, "Mephibosheth." And he answered, "Here is your servant." And what a moment that was! This little crippled throws aside the crutches and falls down before the king who has all rights, sovereign rights over his life. And he said, Is that your name? And he said, That's me. I'm Mephibosheth. He didn't know what to expect. David said to him, Do not fear, for I will surely show grace. I will demonstrate mercy. To you for the sake of your father, Jonathan, and I will restore to you all the land of your grandfather, Saul, and you shall eat at my table regularly. (laughs) Can you imagine that response? (laughs) Expecting a sword to strike his neck, he hears the words that are unbelievable words from a king. People who understand grace fully have a yes face. And when Mephibosheth looked up in the words of Meninger, he saw a yes face written across David. And David looked at him and he said, oh, my friend, you're gonna have a place of honor that you've never had before. You're gonna eat regularly at my table.
1: Imagine the relief that settled into that room when the king demonstrated such grace. There's much to the story we need to hear, and please keep listening when Chuck Swindoll concludes his study in 2 Samuel chapter 9. He titled today's message, Grace in a Barren Place. This is Insight for Living, and it wasn't long ago when we received a kind note from one of your fellow listeners who told us about using Chuck Swindoll's biography on David as a resource to teach a Bible class. This listener added, The chapter on Mephibosheth about grace in a barren place is one of my favorite stories. Matter of fact, your books and messages inspired me to attend and finish seminary. We never know how God might use these daily programs to inspire church leaders and teachers, and we're deeply grateful to those who stand with us in this way. This daily radio program would never get beyond our hometown without the voluntary gifts from people like you. God has seen fit to multiply what originates here by magnifying his name in faraway places. And it's all because of those in our listening family who share our commitment to making disciples for Jesus Christ. In a moment, I'll give you our mailing address where you can send a contribution. But first, a brief reminder that Chuck's biography for this series is still available. It's called, David, a man of passion and destiny. This full-length book contains a full chapter on the story we heard today, which is a beautiful expression of God's grace. David surprised everyone by including Jonathan's family around the royal banquet table. To purchase a copy of Chuck's biography on David, call 1-800-663-7639, or you can visit this webpage for details, insightforliving.ca. Address your comments and contributions to Insight for Living Canada, Post Office Box No. 8, Station A, Abbotsford, B.C., V2T-6Z4. Or go online to insightforliving.ca. Cruise ships leave the harbor for Alaska all the time but there's only one that's hosted by Inside for Living Ministries. You're invited to travel with Chuck Swindoll this summer.
2: Every moment of your vacation is thoughtfully prepared and protected so that you can enjoy the perfect balance of rest, adventure, relaxation, sightseeing, and just plain fun, all in the company of those who share your respect for God's word and God's creation.
0: Yeah, I'll put it this way. God had a very good day when he created Alaska. I was awestruck by the majestic mountains, the wildlife, the quaint little seaports.
1: All my life, I've wanted to see a glacier. When I stepped out on the deck of our ship and witnessed the massive wall of ice, wow, it was truly breathtaking. Escape with Inside for Living Ministries to the great frontier, July 1st through July 8th, 2023. To learn more, go to inspirationcruises.com. That's inspirationcruises.com. The tour to Alaska is paid for and made possible by only those who choose to attend. I'm Bill Meyer. Join us when Chuck Swindoll continues his heartwarming message about grace in a barren place, Friday on Insight for Living.
0: The preceding message, Grace in a Barren Place, was copyrighted in 1978. And the sound
2: recording was copyrighted in 2022 by Charles R. Swindoll, Incorporated. All rights are reserved worldwide. Duplication
0: of copyrighted material for commercial use is strictly prohibited.